0: And welcome to deep north we're here today in the studio with staff writer ragnar thomas and we're going to be looking at his piece sparsity blues a look inside american football in iceland
1: sparsity blues a brutal ballet of flesh and bone it's saturday night and it's feckin freezing seven below even inside the ailsud stadium My fingers feel like popsicles. Taking notes means pitting the will against whatever half-responsive nerve cells are relaying messages from my benumbed digits. Inside the locker room, Sigurds Jefferson is screaming his testicles off, but not because of the cold. We're the only fucking football team in Iceland, he yells. We're fucking Vikings. It's not the most original of sentiments, but it gets his teammates going and they really need to get going. It's halftime and the Einherjar, literally Army of One, referring to the warriors in Norse mythology who met their death on the battlefield and then caught a Valkyrie-driven Uber to Valhalla, are 20 points down, 34-14. They're losing to a ragtag bunch of Romanians called the Bucharest Rebels. Everything's going goddamn terrible. Let's rewind. The Rebels scored a touchdown during the first play of the game. Their quarterback, who had all kinds of time, spied a wide receiver sneaking up the right side of the field with limited coverage, like a cell phone in the boonies. After he ran into the end zone, the game announcer and his assistant, seated at a rickety table above the bleachers, scrambled to get the game clock going. There's something wrong with this damn thing, the announcer complained. He was wearing a Lamar Jackson jersey and comporting himself like an office worker caught in a scuffle with a dysfunctional printer. "'Anybody know how to work it?' he said, jabbering into the void. Aynad hadn't played a game since last March, so of course they were rusty. That's one of the things about being the only American football team in Iceland. Not a lot of on-the-job training. When they gained possession, eight points down, the center hiked two bad snaps to quarterback Berkthor Philip Palson, and each time Berkthor, who goes by Becky, pounced frantically on the skinning pigskin as if he were jumping on a pinless grenade, and then he imploded. Despite the rust, the Einherjer don't break easily. They've got spirit and moxie and subscribe to a kind of football mindfulness that involves fully inhabiting every passing parcel of time without getting needlessly distracted by the calamities that seem to beset each moment. There's only the next play, someone yells philosophically from the sidelines. They're forced to kick it. Rebel's ball. The Romanians, who are the strongest team in their national league, progress swiftly upfield. But then one of the Einherjar safeties makes an interception. When it comes to the Viking gods of American football, however, Odin is blind in both eyes. Flag on the play. Offside, defense, five-yard penalty. The head referee, a man named Jan-Erik Yesen, announces to the crowd. He says something else, too, but it's barely audible. The announcer calls first down, and a man in his 30s, who's been watching the game from the concrete walkway above the bleachers, a stone's throw away from the dysfunctional clock, strolls over. That can't be right, he observes. Jan said first down. The announcer fires back. Yeah, I know, but I don't think that's right, the man replies, in a voice full of meekness and understanding. Below them, near the halfway line, a rebel wide receiver catches a short pass and breaks through a series of abortive tackles. The announcers begin complaining about the clock again. Ref Jan Eric, noticing the slow progression of time, walks over to the announcers and suggests they find someone to help out with the clock. As he walks away, the main announcer calls, Jan, it's not automatic first down when there's an offside. Yeah, I know, he replies. I said third. The Einherjar football team was founded in the year of our unlordly economic meltdown, 2008. They played their first match in 2016, but all of their games are friendlies. Not yet recognized by the National Olympic and Sports Association of Iceland, ESE, The Einherjar must fend for themselves as far as the finances are concerned. Ten days before the game, left tackle Ulvar Jönsson, who also coaches the youth team, stood on the sidelines of the Kodin Sports Stadium in Kopovor, waiting for the clock to strike 10 p.m. If that seems like a pretty late hour for practice, it's because it is. It's cheaper to rent the last slot of the day, Ulvar explains but we still need to shell out 160,000 krona a month, which we managed to eke out through practice fees collected from the players. We've also got a handful of sponsors, Shaken Pizza at Eilschut, for example. The application process for ESE has proved a real hassle. It's been one step forward and two steps back, notes, Without making them sound like massive dicks, when we first contacted them, they said that the sport would need to be practiced in all of the six regions of Iceland, But that couldn't be right. We pointed out that facilities for figure skating were only located in Akurete and Reykjavik. They then suggested we begin by applying to UMSK, the Youth Association of Kjallarnestink, for youth and athletic associations in the capital area. And that's in the works. I get regular updates from our head referee. As he says this, A young, scrawny, wide receiver walks up and unceremoniously slaps him on the rear end. There's a spark of static electricity. I'm getting electric shocks left and right, the man, a bundle of peculiar energy, says before bursting into laughter. I'll have to speak to the head of human resources, Ulvar replies with a wry smile. He's a tall and solid man who has the demeanor of a Viking chieftain despite his young age. He's 21, studying sociology and working part-time. This is the dream. Let's see what happens, he says solemnly. You dream of playing football abroad, I inquire? Not quite understanding. No, I dream of developing the sport here in Iceland. That we get the same respect as all the other sports clubs in Iceland. Haukau, Stjartnan, etc. we were able to conduct regular seasons, similar to the high school seasons in America, that we can offer athletes the opportunity to play abroad and bring players over here. He has an earnest look on his face. It is perhaps an unusual dream for an Icelander, he admits. Ulvar lived in Belgium from the age of one up to the 10th grade. He played American football for two years during high school, mainly against American soldiers. There's a real sense of NFL culture there, They've got two professional leagues. They travel to the Netherlands and Germany. Don't have to go far to find games. The NFL is everywhere today, he adds. People are playing fantasy football and watching games on TV. Sometimes when I'm picking up equipment here, I hear the kids say, hey, is that NFL? I ask them how long before we have two teams in Iceland. Depends on how much time we invest, he replies. We're closer now with the under-18s because they're motivated. They have two teams that play 9 a games. When the buzzer goes off, Ulvar takes the field with his teammates as dozens of winded football players English football, that is, stroll off the field. The Icelanders call it Bömpöbölde, pot-belly ball, referring to the kind of ball sports played in stadiums across the country by men well past their prime. The Einherjar are a motley assortment of players, which is one of the charms of American football. There's a position for all physiques. A heavy set man with long gray hair and a Viking beard takes his position in front of Becky. Ulvar, with long arms and massive shoulders, is, as the Icelanders like to say, no lamb to play with. All right, let's complete every single ball now, Becky yells. Watching the Einherjar practice is like observing some kind of armoured analogy for modern life. People trying to do way too many things in way too short a time. Football practices, Ulvar later notes, usually last for two hours, given the complexity of the game. The Einherjar only have one. They scramble through the three phases of the game, offense, defense and special teams, only that they've allotted the latter phase all of about five minutes. After the center hikes two rotten snaps at quarterback Becky, they call off special teams on account of the clock winding down. I worry what this means for their upcoming game. Ask anyone and they'll tell you that or Jefferson is one of the most talented players in Iceland. His foray into the sport began five years ago, when he was a sophomore at junior college and when he barely knew what American football was, despite being half-American himself. It wasn't until a friend dragged him along to practice that he understood. He hasn't stopped playing since. Handball, which Seurder's played since he was nine, he plays professionally, was his first love, but there's just something about the NFL that engrosses him. It differs from all the other European sports, because it requires a different mindset. A man must be willing to transform his faculty of vision so as to perpetually see red, nurturing a kind of homicidal attitude towards his opponents, the kind that has led to a series of gruesome injuries that have long plagued the sport. And then there's all the hype and exaggeration, so often on display in American football stadiums, the kind that doesn't appear to come naturally to the Icelanders who very often bristle at American melodrama. But that doesn't necessarily hold for Söder Jefferson. He has some knack for showmanship. A natural athlete who's tried almost every sport he can think of, Söder Jefferson proves to be a real menace on the field. Fourteen points down, Söder returns a punt from deep inside the end zone and tears upfield like a soldier who's just consumed a bowl brimming with stimulants he weaves and jumps over rebel defenders and makes it well beyond midfield. The crowd, composed of maybe 150 people, goes wild. Seuler's talents had been restricted to defense for the past two possessions, but now he transitions into the role of running back. He completes a 15-yard run on the first attempt and looks very much like a man possessed. After some good progress, Becky throws an interception, but the Rebel defender drops it. Seuter Jefferson tears through the defense again, securing second and short prior to completing an easy touchdown. They kick for an additional point, 14-7. Game on. Or so it would seem. Despite their moxie, the Einherjer gradually lose sight of the Rebels. They go 20 points down early in the second half and begin to grow frustrated. One of their defenders, A choleric man roughly the size of a horse-drawn carriage appears to grab an offensive lineman by the back of his shirt so as to rather violently dispatch him to the pitch. One of the referees calls a penalty, and the man loses it. He walks off the field in a fit and begins to vent his frustration to his quarterback, who's standing there on the sidelines. "'This is precisely why you need to find better refs, Becky,' he yells. "'I hate that ref!' Prior to storming off the field, He adds that the officials show, quote, zero ambition. In his defense, losing is hard, and also his knee is killing him. Three weeks after the fact, I mentioned this incident to referee Jan Eric, who seemed to have little recollection of the event. I certainly had an opinion when the incident occurred, he explained, but as soon as he's off the field, I'm focusing on the next play. Generally speaking, our interactions with the players have been good. Sure, we sometimes get into spats during the game, but after it's all done and dusted, we usually engage in a productive conversation. Jan Eric, who sounds like a stoic father figure, capable of contextualizing his kids' occasional tantrums, observes that because the Einherjer plays so few games, many of the players likely don't have a good enough handle on the rules themselves. He landed the role of head referee by a rather circuitous route. Having taken an interest in the NFL about 10 years ago, Jan-Erik, who has some experience as a referee in Iceland and that other kind of football, posted on the NFL Iceland Facebook page to inquire about the rules of the game. Although he received no response, he did discover a private message in his inbox from Berthold Philip Polson asking whether he was interested in officiating a few games. Jan-Erik said sure and most of the work that he and his colleagues have done thus far has been pro bono. But the Einherjer have, as of late, insisted that they pay them something for their trouble. They're an honorable bunch. Given the size of their remuneration, I speculated, I imagine that the players must be a little more understanding towards your efforts. Yes, and they are. They remind each other all the time that we're doing our best. I think the overall mood has been good. Tempers flare from time to time, but that's just part of the game. I'm not easily offended. But I do think that it's important that these players exercise good sportsmanship because they're role models for all the younger players. All talk of American football in the modern age must at some point broach the injuries that have marred the sport's reputation. Jan Eric acknowledges the problem while adding an important point. The rules differ between the NFL and college ball. The rules for college football are much more strict, designed to keep the players safe. And we, like most of the other leagues around the world, follow the college rules. Take targeting, for example. If you target a player's head or neck area during a tackle when he's defenseless, you're sent straight to the showers. Head injuries are rarer in college ball. Of course, the technology and the helmets will improve. But because the risk of injury is higher in American football compared to most other sports, We need to protect the players. The Einherjad wind up losing by a significant margin. But everyone seems to be in good cheer after the game. The Romanians line up on the sideline, in front of the audience, and take a bow. They receive a hearty ovation. Afterwards, the two teams line up on the halfway line for some pictures. The main announcer hands out a few awards. Suter Jefferson, despite being on the losing side is chosen man of the match. How do you feel, I ask? I mean, it's pretty upsetting in the immediate aftermath, he admits. It's not what we had aimed for defensively, but I mean, we've got a lot of younger players, and the Rebels have been playing league games every week. Playing an average of one game each season is tough. It takes time to get into the zone. It was hard after they scored like five touchdowns. It was all about surviving at that point, but I'm happy with our sense of fight. We kept going. Given our roster and our effort, I can't complain. We've got another game early in 2023. Hopefully, now that the rust is gone, we can get things going again. And No doubt they will.
0: Well, thanks so much for uh, sharing that today, Ragnar. No problem. I'm kind of curious as uh, to whether... Icelandic football was kind of on your radar before writing this piece, or if this was really something that you were kind of discovering as you were writing it?
1: Um, well, actually, um, it's kind of funny. This thing sort of came about because a friend of mine, um, convinced me, I think it was last summer to join an NFL fantasy league. Mm. And, um, I'm pretty deep into English football fantasy so I didn't really have the time but I decided to join anyway and I sort of participated in a very half-assed manner throughout the season but then um last year in December the uh f- our, our league which consists of maybe 10 guys um the organizer of the league suggested that we um attend uh a game with Einarir, the only American football team in Iceland. And I thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity to take a deep dive into American football in Iceland. So that's really the uh, the backstory.
0: Yeah, actually, what would you say is the general awareness and popularity specifically of like NFL football in Iceland? I mean, would you say that's something that the average Icelander might catch a game occasionally of, or is it still kind of niche, very American? Like, what's your kind of feeling on that?
1: Um, Yeah, my sense is that it's certainly grown in popularity. I mean, I remember attending sort of Super Bowl parties um, as far back as maybe five, ten years ago. Mm. But now, um, like Ulvar Jonsson... One of the coaches in the left tackle for Reinhardt mentioned that, you know, it's becoming more noticeable. And I think especially because of the fantasy sports aspect of it, Um, more and more Icelanders belong to an NFL fantasy league. And there's also been this effort um, in England where you have American football teams playing at some of the English football stadiums during the summer preseason so I think that's also served to um, yeah bring it to the forefront maybe of the sports consciousness in Iceland and elsewhere so yeah I I think everyone is familiar with the NFL a lot of people watch um, the Super Bowl my feeling and I mean but I don't know how many people are watching regular games in the season aside from fantasy football fans
0: I guess I'm just kind of curious as to like how it works in other countries outside the U S like, like, is there a kind of NFL outside the U S like for European American football teams? I, I actually don't know. Cause I mean, I like I've heard of like, yeah, like some small teams in Germany and stuff, for instance, uh, like, like, I mean, do you, do you know if they have their own league or is this all just kind of like informal, like amongst each other, just kind of friendly games and stuff or.
1: Yeah, I don't know about Germany, but I, I remember taking a look at um, so Harriar's uh, opponents last December were the Bucharest Rebels from Romania, mm. and they play a regular season in a regular league, and they happen to be, I think, the best team in Romania at the moment. And from my understanding, having spoken to Ulvar and others, is that, yeah, they have leagues in Europe, and um, Seura Jefferson the sort of star player of internet, he he had this dream of trying to go abroad and make it in Europe. Um, obviously, the salaries aren't comparable to the <laughs> NFL or other places. <laughs>
0: but yeah, um, they do have leagues in Europe. Something that kind of... So one of the first things that I was kind of thinking of when I was first reading your piece um, is just this classic uh, kids movie from the US, like Mighty Ducks. Uh, I don't know if you have ever watched that, but it like it's kind of funny because in a way the roles are kind of reversed here because in that movie the Icelanders are very much uh, the kind of bad guys with like the well financed team and they're like really scary and intimidating and stuff um, and you know so it's like obviously that makes sense in that movie because it's ice hockey of course they're encountering the Icelanders on their native turf which is of course. <laughs> Ice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, here, uh, the Inherjar are very much the underdogs. I mean, I think it's also kind of interesting how they're formed around the time of the economic crash. So, they're like, they're like there's something very, to me, kind of Icelandic about all of this, like this kind of underdog story. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, that is hilarious. That sort of baked into their history is the, is the complete collapse of the Icelandic economy. Um, but, yeah, I mean... That's actually one of the things that I found so endearing and so charming about them is that, yes, they are like these complete underdogs and amateurs and they're struggling to make this work without being part of, you know, the governing body of sports and ice and, which means that they have to fend for themselves. I mean, they don't receive any kind of grants or subsidies from, from anywhere. So, I mean, for, first of all, just showing up to practice with them on, I think it was a Tuesday Night. I mean, they practice at 10 p.m. in the evening because that's the cheapest slot they could find, and mm. they're standing there. I mean, NFL teams are pretty massive when it comes to, you know, in, in comparison to handball teams or football teams because you have to have, you know, you have o- offensive players and defensive players and then special teams. So um, you had these group of guys, you know, maybe 30 or 40 of them sort of gearing up in Armor and helmets, and waiting for these sort of very, you know, average, out of shape, middle-aged Icelanders to finish their <laughs> pot-belly ball, so they could rush onto the field, and they only had an hour to practice, which is not enough time no. when it comes to American football. And you could just see them sort of, without having warmed up, sort of scuttling onto the field, and you know, com- trying to complete these pretty complicated plays at times and then what I also loved about <laughs> um, sort of the, the sense of amateurness was yeah they had allotted like 10 minutes for special teams which is you know for, for uh, field goal kicks and stuff but you know the center hiked two bad snaps so they they, they didn't even have time to complete the play and <laughs> uh, I was a little worried like okay I mean they play one or two games every year and they're going up against someone who's plays a regular season and I mean the outcome was predictable although their their record is surprisingly good and, I mean they've beaten European teams before um, but yeah that, that was one of the fun things about reporting on the piece was you know watching <laughs> the various mistakes and calamities that beset the team
0: I mean I have to admit, um it does kind of add in a way to the romance, uh, you know, like like just this image of like the late night practice, uh kind of just coming into the stadium, like the very last time slot. Uh like like there's something about that that kind of I don't know, like it like it kind of makes sense. Um and sorry, this was in Copevog, right? Yeah, yeah. In
1: the Coden Sports Stadium. And yeah, definitely as you as you say, uh, I don't mean to make light of their efforts. I, I I'm completely charmed and um, impressed by them I mean everyone as I noted the, the referees were working pro bono early on I mean everyone is sort of doing their best with the resources that they have and and like um, I mean it, it's a very complicated game and I thought that was interesting as well f- from the referees perspective that he said well I mean these people haven't been playing this game for very long so you can't expect them to know the rules <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe you can also just speak a little bit about, uh, yeah, like, 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 what's it like to go to the game? Like, what's the atmosphere like?
1: Yeah, it was funny because, um, as I mentioned, uh, me and my group of friends in this fantasy league had sort of planned a night out on the town. We we went to a food hall in Reykjavik and and grabbed some food and drank some beers, and then we went to the game. And then I kind of, you know, got lost in the game and was sort of vigorously trying to take notes um, on my phone. And yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big stadium, but it's, you know, it's indoors, there's no central heating. So, I mean, it was pretty cold inside. There were bleachers on either side of the field and yeah, maybe 100, 150 people were watching. You had uh, two announcers who were struggling to make the technology work. They couldn't get the game clock going. Um, And then um, what I perhaps didn't mention in the piece is that you had three American football players who were sort of playing, but also coaching, which is common for Reiner and in Europe, is that you get players from abroad to take part in the games and also to impart some of what they've learned. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it was, they had sort of moments of brilliance, especially Ciro Jefferson and uh, Becky, the quarterback, who's pretty talented. But, um, yeah, it was a pretty disastrous game as far as outcomes are concerned because <laughs> they lost by a pretty hefty margin. And and I just loved being there sort of trying to eavesdrop on, you know, some of the things that were going on the sidelines. Um, and especially I, fo- I followed the team into the locker room during halftime and um or Jefferson had this really quite um, vigorous uh, sort of um, – speech that he gave and and i opened with that quote you know we're we're the only Uh, fucking iceland (laughs) fucking football team in iceland we're fucking vikings (laughs) which is uh another thing that i liked about it the whole sort of norse mythology aspect to it (laughs) uh
0: i i guess i'm just kind of thinking of this because i've just been watching uh after elding lately uh which is a kind of New, new TV show about handball. Great show. Um, yeah, it, it is. I've really been enjoying it. Um, and I have to ask, do they go door to door and sell toilet paper? <laughs> they do not. <laughs> uh, as as far as I know, they. they but, but, but 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 do they
1: have a fundraiser? Um, no. As far as I understand it, they they you know they collect practice fees yeah. from the players similar to the practice fees that I pay for my two young sons in Mm -hmm. sports. And then they have sponsorship deals with, um, most notably, I assume, Shake and Pizza, which is a pizza place in Asia. Um, So no, no door to door (laughs) selling of uh, toilet paper, but maybe that's a good idea for them. Maybe we should pitch that.
0: I just had this funny image in my head of just some of these like huge guys just kind of (laughs) lifting uh, just like crates of toilet paper. (laughs) Yeah, that certainly sounds like
1: a a promising prospect.
0: (laughs) All right, well, uh, thanks for talking today, Ragnar. Yeah, thank you. Deep North is the official podcast of Iceland Review, the oldest continuously running English language publication on Iceland, covering community, nature, and culture. If you enjoyed listening, please consider subscribing to Iceland Review at our website.